Welcome to Menopause Uprising, the Wellness Warrior podcast with me, Catherine O'Keefe. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the hormones of menopause and whitewater rafting and what they have in common. I hope you enjoy it. Menopause, it's such a big word and such a complex subject. Often when I'm thinking about um, menopause, perimenopause, I'm often trying to think of different analogies. You know, what can I equate it to that really sometimes can make it more easily understandable? So my latest is white water rafting. <laughs> Just bear with me on this. So if you look at a definition of rafting, it basically says, you know, they're recreational outdoor activities which use an inflatable raft to navigate a river or other body of water. And dealing with risk is often a part of the experience. So let me just explain why I think menopause is very, very similar to whitewater rafting. So if we think about the perimenopause years, you know, there's an element of calm that exists for many of us in these years. And it can be that we don't actually even realize what's happening until we hit a bump. So if we go back, it's like you're traveling in calm waters and life progresses. And there might be a few ripples along the way, just as as is with everything in life. But then you get to a stage where the hormonal imbalance and the hormonal change that's happening in the body becomes a little bit more off are a little bit more um what's to say obvious like it's like the red flag comes up that's where i think we hit the rapids that's where we get into the territory of white water rafting and i really think the more i think about this the more it's like god this is so similar because you do hit rapids and there are times and you're not generally talking about a day or two you're generally talking about it you know it can be a couple of weeks can be a couple of months where it is really bumpy and you know think about if you're sitting in a in a dinghy or you know a kayak and you are going through rapids it's a pretty hairy ride for those for those minutes um and then you can look around you and it can look beautiful if the water was calm but when you're going through a rapid nothing looks beautiful everything looks dangerous everything is set with a layer of fear and we just look at the world differently. And so bringing it back to perimenopause, in the initial stages, if you've, I've never done whitewater rafting myself, I might have to try it after this, I don't, although I don't know if I'd have the courage for it. <laughs> but anyway, if you go back and you think, you know, you're in the early perimenopause years and you know, as I said, the water is calm enough and then a few ripples start to seep in as the progesterone starts to decline. And I am going to talk in a few minutes about the hormones because today's podcast is really just about setting the landscape, setting the scene for what happens in the body during the perimenopause years. So, you know, you the, the first few rapids that you might go through, they may be gentle enough. They, you might kind of get over them pretty quickly and think, oh, God, you know, I can handle that. This isn't too bad. And that, again, is very typical of perimenopause because it might be that, you know, it might be that you have a little wobble in your level of anxiety. 
It might be that your confidence seems a little bit off kilter, but yet it seems manageable, particularly in the initial stages. But then as we progress through the years, and if you start adding in one or two more symptoms on top of it, that's where it becomes far more challenging. So if we think about it, perimenopause, as we know, the average age is 45, but I would really encourage you to remember the word average because I work with so many women who will start to see the slow introduction of symptoms sometimes from 42, 43. And then on the converse side, you can talk to women who actually are 46, 47, and they might be saying, actually, I have no symptoms. And also, it's important to remember, not every person will experience symptoms as they go through perimenopause and menopause. We know that. We know that a third of women will go through without any symptoms or it may be that they're so mild that they don't actually even notice them. But perimenopause generally, the average age, as I said, is 45. And that is where the red flags start to come up. It's where the rapids start to get a bit bumpier. It's where more symptoms might come into play. You know, generally it tends to be on the psychological that starts first so it might be you know as I mentioned anxiety can be mood changes that rage that can come in where you go from zero to a hundred in milliseconds that's extremely common it's just the ever-changing moods and again it's like it is like um Uh, doing rafting through a river you've got to constantly be on alert you're constantly aware of your surroundings and I think in menopause you have to be the same not that I, I encourage anyone to be on constant alert because we don't want that it's really important that we do keep ourselves in calm meditative states as well but what I'm saying is being alert and aware of the symptoms as they change because you would be surprised if you look, if you if you uh, opened a journal, let's say, I don't know, on the first day of any given month and you wrote down maybe, you know, one or two key symptoms that you're experiencing. If you look back at that journal, maybe six to nine months later, those symptoms might be gone, but they might be replaced by new symptoms. So that's why I really encourage people to get a notebook to just start writing down what's happening, because more often than not, what also happens is, is that when you start to put focus on a symptom, when you become aware of it and you start to bring in together whatever your treatment options are and your personal choice, the symptoms will change and you may actually forget about them (laughs) and add in a sprinkle of brain fog there and you'll definitely forget about them. But it is a really good habit to get into just to kind of note down, note down, you know, what is really hassling you? what's causing you the most um, the most challenge and then you know how you can handle it but as you go through the years of perimenopause and we know the average age of menopause is 51 but again remember average I myself I'm 51 I'm still in perimenopause and I reckon I've another couple of years to go yet before I actually hit menopause And menopause is simply the anniversary of 12 months without a monthly cycle. So when you look at the timeline, 
it's not months, it's years. So the time from perimenopause to menopause to completing menopause and being po- entering postmenopause can be anywhere from four to 12 years. It really differs. And we know every single one of us is going to have a different experience. So it's really important to remember, you know, think back to that raft going down the river. If you have four or five people on a boat, everyone is going to have a different experience. So it's the exact same for your menopause experience. It's going to be different to your best friends, to your sister, to your mom, to anybody else in your life. It's going to be a different experience. But let's just go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the calm waters (laughs) when everything is nice and calm and the key hormones that we talk about are in a good place. And when I say that, I mean that their levels are good. So to talk about what are the key hormones that we look at in these years? And the first one really to talk about is progesterone. And progesterone is made primarily in the ovaries, but it's also made in the adrenal glands as well. And that's, you know, kind of brings you into a whole other chapter, which is why stress management is so important in menopause. But I will be talking about that on on another um, podcast. But progesterone is often referred to as the calming, nurturing hormone, but it does a lot of things. You know, it's a reproductive hormone. It's really important for stabilizing and thickening the lining of the uterus. And that's why when you start to look at um, HRT options, you'll know that where a person has a uterus, you must have progesterone as part of your HRT solution. It's also really important in pregnancy. It's um, very, very important as a natural inflammatory throughout the body. So, you know, when we look at progesterone, it's doing a lot. It is really the big player, one of the big players when it comes to the psychological aspects of menopause. And that's why we often see for many people, they start to experience the psychological aspects first. It doesn't necessarily have to be the changes in your monthly cycles. You know, changes in periods can come midway through it or, you know, they just can come later. I always kind of say, keep an eye out for changes in how you are feeling. You know, how's your mood? How's your anxiety levels? Because we know this is where many women start to see the first little ripples, the first gentle rapids start to come in. You know, and that can be, as I said, the mood changes. And also, if you think about it, you know, in work, if you're experiencing mood changes or you're just not feeling yourself, maybe not as bubbly as normal or just maybe not as much energy, that's all going to impact on your brain fog. And that means your memory and concentration aren't going to be as strong as they have been in the past. And what happens then? Well, this is a big one in work because then what happens is maybe you go into a meeting, maybe you're doing a presentation, maybe you're just doing your everyday job. You know, maybe you're working uh, on the cash machine. Maybe maybe you forget a detail. You forget how to enter a key. Maybe you forget key facts that normally roll off your tongue. All of that impacts on your confidence. 
and your confidence takes a knock. And then what happens is your self-esteem takes a knock and your anxiety increases. And as you can see, it becomes a vicious cycle. So this is where I really, you know, really encourage you to just keep an eye out for the symptoms. Don't take the ostrich approach where you put your head in the sand because <laughs> it doesn't work in menopause. I can tell you it really doesn't. Your body will just keep calling out to you to listen to the symptoms that it's showing you so that you know that you've got to make some adjustments in your life and that can be you know uh, looking at what your treatment choices are and on top of that it has to be looking at your lifestyle your daily habits so just back to progesterone so what does it look like when it starts to fall so you know that can be where you can have changes in the cycles and it can be where you can have intermittent spotting and between your monthly cycles if you're regular it can also impact insomnia, um, which is a, another big one, one of the top five symptoms of menopause, and then headaches. Headaches and migraines can be very common and often women may have never experienced them before and then all of a sudden they may start and sometimes that can be down to progesterone. It also impacts, this is a big one, our, our bowel habits because it can um, trigger constipation the, the, where the bowels just slow down and they're not working as effectively as they may have done in the, done in the past and this is something I talk a lot about yeah, is the importance of bowel health because if you don't have regular daily bowel motions it means that your energy is being backed up it means that the excess toxins that we need to get out of the body that the body no longer requires are stuck and when that happens that's going to make you feel more tired so it's really really important to make sure that your bowels are regular on a daily basis that there's no straining that it's a that it's easy and one of the best ways I can encourage you to do that is just making sure you have loads of fruit and fiber in your diet. Really important. And another tip on that is where you can, you know, do make sure it's seasonal uh, fruit and vegetables as well. Um, really, really important. But they're going to give you loads of fiber, which is going to keep your bowels moving and just keep everything nice and regular. I probably think of one of the biggest stressors that can be added into the body at the time of menopause and perimenopause, I actually think it's probably constipation because of the knock-on impact it has on so many other aspects of our body. So do really pay attention to that one. Um, and then, as I mentioned, you know, there's the anxiety, there's the changing moods and so forth. And another thing which can be quite common is um, a return of PMS symptoms. It may be that you haven't experienced PMS symptoms for many years for, you know, um, but it can be as you start to become closer to perimenopause, you might start to see them trickle back in, might be a little bit of bloating, might be a little bit of breast tenderness, you might feel a little bit teary, you might just feel a little bit more off kilter before your period start. That was probably one of my biggest indications. I probably had two big ones. One was flooding, but also 
one was the PMS symptoms returning. I hadn't had them in years. And then all of a sudden um, they started to come back. So it's really just being constantly tuned into your body. I very much kind of think from the 40s onwards and, you know, maybe keep that notebook and just watch what's changing. So that's progesterone. And then the other big one, the queen bee, as I always say, oestrogen. And this is the one we all hear about. Um, And again, oestrogen is made in the ovaries and it can also be made as a kind of an offshoot from testosterone. But really where we're talking, thinking of is the key part is the ovaries. And one of the things to think about when we look at oestrogen is there's three different types um, estrone, estradiol and estrile. The one we're concerned with in perimenopause is estradiol. This is this is the big one. So what does it do? What does it do in the body? Well, <laughs> if I was in front of you, I'd be my head is my hand is on top of my head because it impacts every part of your body from the top of your head right down to your baby toe, every part of your body. Roughly 300 processes throughout the body are impacted by oestrogen. So it's a big one, the queen bee. And, you know, we have oestrogen receptors in every cell throughout our body. And what do they do? So, you know, why are they important? Well, they're good for increasing good cholesterol and they're also good for decreasing bad cholesterol. And we know that cholesterol is one of those areas that many women can experience an increase in throughout the perimenopause years. Um, Eastern is also um, good in relation to our bone health and our heart health, which you'll, I'm sure you may be aware of several studies in relation to both. It also helps to maintain body temperature. So this is where we come into the vasomotor symptoms of menopause, which are the hot flushes and the night sweats. And oestrogen has a big part to play there. And then another big one um, is the importance in relation to the pelvic area, which is hugely hormonal dependent and hugely oestrogen dependent. So vaginal atrophy, vaginal dryness, is one of the most common symptoms of menopause. Now, many resources will say one in two women will experience vaginal atrophy as they go through menopause. I I honestly don't know. I talk to some doctors, they say to me they reckon it's every woman. Um, I would say from the thousands of women I've spoken with and worked with, I think the majority of women experience it at some stage as they go through the the perimenopause journey. So it is really important to be aware of vaginal dryness and how it looks, because what can often happen is that it's self-diagnosed as thrush, when in actual fact it's not. And if you treat it for thrush, it can actually exasperate it and make it worse. So just bear that one in mind. Remember it at the back of your head. You know, if you think you've thrush, maybe think a little bit harder. Is it for sure? Uh, maybe I've done a lot of blogs on vaginal atrophy and a lot of interviews. So check out the website for that. And, you know, certainly I would encourage you to talk to your GP about it. 
Um, so what happens then when oestrogen starts its decline and its merry dance as it is throughout the, the body like a roller coaster? So, you know, there you're getting into the night sweats. You're getting into, you know, it will impact, as I said, the vaginal dryness. You'll see changes in menstruation in your monthly cycles. Uh, you'll also have kind of it can trigger some of the PMS like symptoms, particularly around the breast sensitivity. And it also impacts moods, if I haven't mentioned that already. And the other thing it will impact is weight gain. Um, so, you know, many of these you may already be familiar with, but each of the hormones will have an impact in specific areas. But then there's a, there's a great overlap with them. Um, and what's really important to remember is that it's a gradual decline for the most part, but it's a roller coaster decline at the same time. So even if we go back to our rapids, we do have some of the calm periods and then it all kicks off again. So this is why it's really important as you navigate your perimenopause journey that you're constantly assessing the terrain you're constantly you know being aware of how are you simply taking time to sit down and just think you know how am I doing you know how is my mood am I in good mood you know am I experiencing um, hot flushes you know am I experiencing uh, potentially internal dryness do I think maybe it's trash you know I mean there's many other symptoms but you know just some key ones as we talk about the hormones and then the next big one is testosterone <laughs> not just a male hormone it is equally as important to men or to women sorry as it is to men and testosterone is made again in the ovaries and also in the adrenal glands and where the importance of testosterone is libido is a big one. So it maintains and encourages libido. And it can also, as I mentioned earlier, it can also work in the body to form estradiol. It helps to produce estradiol, the form of estrogen that we're concerned about. And it also works with how our body metabolizes, how um, the energy is created and moves around our body and so forth. And then a big one is bone and muscle mass. That would be a big one. And also when we look at testosterone, we're thinking about energy because you'll often find, yes, you know, progesterone and estrogen will impact energy, but testosterone will really impact energy. It may be that, you know, just your energy is so low and you really, you know, you're just not making any improvements in it. Maybe what you're doing in your lifestyle um, you know, any tweaks that you're making. Um, you may even be on HRT, but you may be on progesterone and estrogen, but still you're not seeing an improvement in energy and maybe possibly not in libido. That's generally where you would have a conversation with your GP and talk about testosterone. But just to mention, a lot of women do extremely well on progesterone and estrogen once they get to the right place. I often say it's like it's all about finding your sweet spot. So what happens then when testosterone starts its decline? Well, diminished libido, as I mentioned, and the energy uh, falls. And the other thing to be aware of is you might have heard of male patterned um, hair loss, but there's female patterned um, baldness, which can happen around the crown of the head or also the, the back. Um, and that 
can be common and it can be extremely um, unsettling when that happens. So um, that's one to be aware of that, you know, sometimes we know like alopecia, which is where you can lose your hair in patches can often be linked to stress, but you can also have um, hair loss and baldness that can happen as part of the, the, the menopause journey. So really, it's great crack, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think we always have to think about the fact it's our hormones and it's the changes happening throughout our body and bring always bring it back to the hormones. This is nothing that you have done. It's nothing that, you know, it's it's simply the hormones changing and declining in our bodies as the years go by. Um, so sorry, just back to testosterone again. So other uh, symptoms kind of that tell you, you know, testosterone isn't quite where it should be. You can, again, it will impact on the mood. So it might be that um, you may be experiencing a low mood. Again, it can impact anxiety. And then um, here's one. Sometimes some women will experience high levels of testosterone. And that's fantastic in terms of um, their libido can be high and their energy can be high. But it can also impact in terms of acne that you can get more breakouts and you can also get excessive hair growth um, throughout the body. Um, so that's just one to to be aware of as well. It, it isn't it, it, it isn't as common to get it um, high. It's more common that it that it's low for for many people. And then just a few other hormones to be aware of in these years. And one big one is cortisol. And so cortisol is we get into the realm of stress and cortisol is fantastic for us when we're in danger. So running from the line or whatever that is. Um, but it's not so good when our body is producing ongoing cortisol and we're not in a stressful situation. And unfortunately, over the last two years, I think we've all experienced heightened cortisol levels because with COVID and everything and, you know, the challenges of working from home, the challenges of Wi-Fi outages, etc. It's just put an added toll for many people. So when we look at cortisol, it's really there to protect us, which is brilliant, as I said, when we need it. Um, and it does many things, you know, in terms of it will make our heart go faster. It will increase the sugar that's going around in our blood so that can we, we can react quicker um, that our body, you know, can run if it needs to run, etc. But the issue is too much of it can lead to burnout and it can impact you know it will impact our sleep because if the levels are too high you will struggle to unwind when it comes down to you know sleeping at night time you may fall asleep very quickly that mightn't be a problem at all but it might be then that you wake up and you might struggle to get back to sleep so it's really, really important to really look at ways to support yourself, to manage stress throughout your life. And this applies to all years of our lives, not not just menopause. Um, but it's really important to, you know, know what are your support tools to help combat any stress in your life? You know, um, sometimes if you are going through a period of intense stress, may not be the time to do intense exercise. It may be the time for more gentle exercise. 
but movement and exercise are going to be hugely beneficial. And then meditation and mindfulness, having just downtime, having time to take a breather and just really kind of assess where you're at and give your brain and your body a rest is so, so important. And, you know, when we look at excess cortisol flying around our body, when our body is concentrating on producing cortisol, it's going, it's not going to be concentrating on producing any of the other key hormones, particularly the reproductive hormones, the progesterone, the estrogen, testosterone. So really important to be aware of that. And, you know, in effect, it is stripping you of the production of other essential hormones. Um, and, you know, if if it is constantly going around in high levels, ongoing chronic stress, that will result in high blood sugar levels. And this is why we you'll often hear about, you know, why stress impacts weight gain. And, you know, you may feel too, you know, if you haven't had a good night's sleep, if you are feeling under stress, the chances are you will grab the more sugary content food, you know, you're not going to have the energy maybe to go and make a nice, healthy, nutritional breakfast and so forth. So just very important to just think of the knock on impacts of excess cortisol. Um, and then, you know, it will at some point, the cortisol, you'll hit a wall, you will hit a wall. And, you know, unfortunately, that's where we can see the burnout, the adrenal issues that can happen. But, you know, there's the fatigue that comes with that. Um, so really, really, really important to just make sure you have some good tools and lifestyle habits that help you counter any stress that you experience um, in your in your life. And then just another key hormone to mention, because it's a very common imbalance in Ireland, is the thyroid hormone. And again, this can impact men and women, but it's most common with um, with women. So what happens with the thyroid thing, the thyroid hormone is that when that comes out of balance, and for many women, they go into a state of hypothyroidism. And here's the thing. The symptoms can look very similar to perimenopause. And this is why I always say it's very beneficial to have a blood test done on an annual basis, particularly when you hit the 40s. And this isn't to tell you that you're in perimenopause because the blood test is not going to tell you that. But what it will do it will tell you that your thyroid function is good. It'll check your iron levels and make sure that they're good. You'll just, you know, be keeping an eye on your health and just making sure that there aren't any other underlying conditions that you need to be aware of. And one of the most important things I passionately feel all women need to do is take back the power in relation to your own health. Because let's say just even, for example, your blood test results, how many of us have struggled to get a copy of them? I, I know many women will say to me, oh, you know, I ring and I can't get a copy of them. And that's not that's not correct at all. You're fully entitled to get a copy of your blood test results. This is a simple thing. And it's really beneficial to just keep them 
I uh, was doing some filing at the weekend and I found some blood tests from 2014 and then I had my ones from this year and I keep them all together and I just started flicking through them. It was really interesting just to watch. I was looking at my white blood count. I was just looking at different things and I just thought, God, there's a story alone in that, you know, how my bloods have changed um, over the years. But it's really just to, it's your body. It's really important that you know how is your body doing. And one of the key ways you can know that is by a blood test. So particularly when it comes to thyroid, it's a really good idea to do it. We know the thyroid imbalance can happen postnatally, but it can also happen in the perimenopause years. So, um, you know, just keep an eye on that one, because as I said, some of the symptoms can look very similar. You can have that exhaustion, that tiredness. You can also experience the irregular periods and you can also your weight can change. You can you can it can be extreme weight loss if it's hyper or it can be weight gain if it's hypo. And then also you can have a real um, uh, kind of a real struggle, struggle with different temperatures. So with hot and cold, you might feel extremely cold a lot of the times. Um, and, you know, so it's really important to be mindful of the fact different hormones in the body will send out different signals if they're not happy, if they're out of sync or they're um, uh, adjusting as they do through perimenopause. So really, really important just to kind of keep keep an eye on them. And, and then just one other thing just to mention is vitamin D. So vitamin D, you may often have thought, have heard about D2 and D3. And these are the ones which um, have been most recently discovered. And vitamin D is made in the in the kidneys. And it's really, really important for bone health. It's also important for immune health as well. So again, if you are getting a blood test done, it's it's a nice one to know what your vitamin D levels are. Now, I think at the moment, many doctors aren't actually even testing for vitamin D because they're assuming that we're all deficient and um, particularly as we come into the winter months. So it's it's but if you are getting a blood test done, I would just ask because it's always nice to know where your range, you know, understanding where you are within the range. And just bear in mind, too, that, you know, ideally you want to be well in the middle of the range. I think the range goes from 20 to 80. So, you know, you definitely don't want to be under 20 um, because that comes with its issues if you are too low in vitamin D. And it is a hard one to get through food. It really, really is, unless you're having some foods that are fortified with vitamin D. Um, but really, when when we look at it, we are talking about bone health and we are also uh, looking at immune health. So just just bear that one in mind as well. So really, the key thing I just wanted to talk about today was the key hormones in the body. Now, I'm only giving you a spotlight. <laughs> There's many, many other ones, but these would be some of the key ones that come into play as we go through um, as we go through the menopause years. Um, and sorry, another one actually that I didn't mention was DHEA which there's a lot more research coming out about this one. So it may be one you've come across as well. And again, this is made in the adrenal glands. And the key with DHEA is that it helps 
um, with estrogen and testosterone. Uh, it breaks down into estrogen and testosterone and that's a key function of it within the body. And I know a lot of endocrinologists um, and societies and so forth are working a lot with DHEA now um, in with women in the menopause journey. But um, just to mention with that one, when that is out of balance or it starts its de- de- decline, you generally tiredness comes in again and again you know you can go back to you know uh, what what's it helping in the body it's helping estrogen and testosterone so go back to what are the 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 functions of estrogen and testosterone um but it it's another one that i would say over the next couple of years we may see it starting to play more of a role in hormone replacement therapy but we just have to wait and and see what happens with that one um so that is just really a high level view of the key hormones that we're talking about in menopause now as menopause happens and perimenopause these hormones change on a daily weekly basis and that's what causes the symptoms that's what causes our bodies to basically raise these signs to say the red flags I need help here I need you to listen to me look after me menopause is a time where we need to look after ourselves Um, if you're listening to this and you're supporting maybe your partner or a, a friend or a family member support is key And that support comes in many guises. It can be through uh, your family, your friends, your work colleagues, your doctor, your um, any therapist that you're working with. It's bringing your tribe together is key because menopause can be lonely. So having your support team behind you will really help to ensure that you can thrive and live your best life through these years. I firmly believe, firmly 100% believe we have one life. So we've got to do everything to live it and to live it optimally. Yes, we will have challenges. Yes, menopause will throw challenges and we will go through periods where the rapids are really strong and we may even fall out of the boat. The challenge, the, the symptoms may overcome us at certain times. But once we have support in its many different guises, we have the power to take the bull by the reins and we've got the power to navigate these years ourselves and just, you know, thrive through them and make sure they're fulfilling times in our lives. But the key is getting a handle on the symptoms first. So I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Um, This is the start of Manny. And this is just as I mentioned, the introduction into the key hormones of menopause and what happens in the body. And we'll be having many more chats about this over the coming year. 